the song with the We gotta sing now, though. Oh, how marvelous it is. Jesus promised he'll take care of me. Oh, how wonderful it is. Jesus promised he'll take care of me. Because he 
Anticipate him keeping his promises. That, that, that matters now. He did it. Yeah, I ain't got to worry. I ain't got to worry about what's coming because he, he kept his promises. I know I'm not the only one in here because I know some of y'all can validate that he's a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. Yeah, so don't worry. I know it may be hard. I know you may be looking, not looking forward to it, but he promised. He take care of us. Yeah, he promised. Oh, how marvelous it is. How marvelous it is, my Lord. Sermon series we've been in chameleon series we're in week four and we've been talking about stepping outside of the pack being exceptional being intentional that, that's what we've been talking about it's hard because it's easy to hide in the pack the chameleon is able to let his colors become abundantly clear when he's trying to draw others. But the first thing you got to do in order to do to be exceptional is renew your mind. That's what we talked about. Renew your mind. And then we reminded you in week two of this series that God specifically chose you. All people he specifically chose you. You didn't get up one morning and decide I'm tired of being this way. I'm going to go get myself saved. He chose you first because he first loved me. That's... Because of that, I have a requirement to be an ambassador for him. That's a hard job. Being an ambassador. For the Lord, being an ambassador for the Lord is hard. The ambassador to the United Nations <clears throat> for the United States is working overtime these days. Yeah, he's working overtime trying to help our allies in Europe keep Putin in place. 
Oh, this has real consequences, okay? This is not theory. This has real consequences for my safety and your safety too. You may not pay attention to it. It may not come up on your Twitter feed quick enough, but I came to tell you that there's some folk working overtime right now to make sure that a the dying autocratic leader who's losing relevance stays in his place. Yeah, he's trying to take over a democratic country. And so what are other democratic countries to do other than come to the assistance of that democracy? But it's in the middle of all of that stuff over there. And so right now, whether you know it or not, maybe some of our folk who are on concealed tours of duty who belong to this church on, are in a state of readiness to deploy to that region of the country, I mean of the world. We might not be aware of that, but they are. Ambassadors, all of them for the United States. We are ambassadors for Christ. Which means we get in sticky situations sometimes. Sometimes there's a war group. We have to get in the middle of it. This last sermon is going to be very personal for you. Heard Cedric say too many times, step on your toes, just say ouch. Because I'm coming down your street today. And I want to ask you a question. Are you an influencer for Christ? Being an influencer for Christ. That's the catch term, catch phrase these days. I've been noticing people self-identify all over social media as influencers. They call themselves that. Yeah, you see in their headline, they got headshot, smiling. Glamour shot. Next to it, they put the job up there. And in the job title is influencer. And I said, well, wow. How does one become an influencer? And who is the designator? of influencers. What's even more astounding is that people strive to be influencers. Now, I don't know that that's bad to strive to be an influencer, but it begs the question and one must ask, what are you influencing people to do? How are you leading people? Because to me, that's the crucial component. Everybody who is a designated influencer is not fit to be followed. Oh. And then I realized that there's a whole market space where they make people influencers. They designate you. They have, they have influencer training. Yeah, that's what I said, how? And that's when I realized it's just marketing. It's just 
It's just marketing. It's just the latest catchphrase that people use to self-identify themselves as important. The problem is, while you might know that at a certain level, when it starts trickling down, some people believe you have to follow them and do what they tell you to do. They believe you have to dress like them. And they believe you have to eat like them. They even believe you have to talk like them and walk like them and go to the places that they go to. Why? Because they are an influencer. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, then let's go. I, you come walk with me through, in, through uh, uh, LinkedIn. And I see all these folks with good sense. I believe. Who got lists of folk that influence them. And surely, surely, that's supposed to be something limited to a professional secular environment. But it's not. These people follow them in life, IRL, as they put online, in real life. They try to do what they do. But yesterday, I saw what an influencer for Christ really means. Bobby, I went to a funeral yesterday for a dear friend of mine. Her father died. Funeral was for a man named Charles Bozeman. You not, probably not have, have not heard of him. He's not famous. He's not. And I watched a phenomenon take place at that funeral. It was one of those great situations where I wasn't on the program. I was in the audience. And I got a different from preacher perspective as I watched people. And I loved it. And I saw man, man, after man, stand up and describe Mr. Bozeman and the kind of man he was. And watch this. And they say that I am the man I am because of what this man meant in my life. They said, I watched him growing up. I, we, I followed him growing up. He didn't play the radio. He was tough on us. And this man made me the man I am. Watch me. These, these were all gray-haired, older brothers. He wasn't their father. He had five girls. My friend Patricia Henderson is one of them. He had five daughters and two sons. One gone to glory. Thank you. These weren't his children. These were the, the young boys in the neighborhood who played on the playground. He lived right up there by Salvation Army, up there in Druid Hills. You can see his house from Salvation Army parking lot. And they used to put a hoop up there, Jared. They said they used to shoot ball all day. And, and Mr. Bolden used to watch them boys because Mr. Bolden was a stay-at-home during the day, man, because he worked at night. And they knew he was watching them. And all of them 
sought to emulate him. Now, I, not, not the smartest person ever, but I would submit to you that what I saw yesterday was the epitome of an influencer. But what made it better was that the pastor of the church was one of those influences, Daryl Jones over at St. James and Old. He was one of them. And he said, not only did Mr. Bozeman work like that in the community and lead the young folk in the community, but he was a worker in the church. And he made sure that his life mirrored the principles of Christ. So he wasn't just leading, because there's a lot of folk out there leading, showing people what to do, but they're not all showing you the right thing to do. People are following them. And so how do you become an influencer for Christ? The Bible is not silent on this. The Bible, can I show you something? Watch this, walk with me. And so you won't have to try to follow it. I already put the scriptures on slides back there. This is, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. It matters who you hang out with. Matthew wrote, told us we're the salt of the earth. That we, uh, but if we lose our taste, how can the saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's foot. Not only are we salt, we're light, like uh, Matthew said. And a city that's set on a hill, let me explain that to you. That means when you're a light bearer, you can't go in the valley. And in, in, in that, you got to go on a hill. You got to stand out above other folk. Influence. That light cannot be hidden. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. Influence. Proverbs 13 and 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. You see a recurring theme here? First Peter 3 and 16. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In other words, you're so good that the, the mud they try to sling on you won't, won't stick to you. Yeah. Galatians, Pharaoh, you were running well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Remember this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now that sounds like cold. Yeah, but basically what he's saying is the devil didn't make you do that. You made yourself do that by inviting sin in. And once you let a little sin in, that sin tends to magnify and creates problems in your life. A little leaven messes up the whole loaf. First Peter, but in your heart's honor, Christ the Lord as holy, honor him. Always being prepared to make a defense to anybody 
who ask you for the reason, for the hope that you have. Can you explain to somebody, just anybody, why you love the Lord? And do you explain to them? And then Peter says again, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. And when they say Gentiles, they mean people who don't already believe in Christ. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, you become their example. Influencers for Christ. Oscar Wilde once said that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. Imitation. We've corrupted that statement. And we often say simply imitation is the purest form of flattery. The Bible was way ahead of the curve, way ahead of it. It was talking about the significance of influence a thousand years before companies started paying internet providers to identify and pay people to become influencers. The backside of that story I was talking about was that a lot of these people who are so-called influencers may be good people, but they're also being paid to be influencers in a certain way. There's a reason why they drink Pepsi. Because Pepsi pays them. Yeah, not just because Pepsi tastes so good. There's a reason why they wear that particular outfit that they didn't pay for. That you have to. <laughs> There's a reason why they live in this house with that stuff in it. That place stuff. That's probably not their real house. And then you go out and try to make your house like their house at some great expense, never realizing that they didn't pay for anything in their home. But they're influencing you. Yeah, you're going broke. You mortgage to the hill. But they didn't pay for anything. All of the companies wanted their chair next to them. So you would go buy it. There's a reason why she wore that on the Tonight Show. Because the next day it sold out on Amazon. There's a reason why she's influenced to do that. You think it's just cute, but it's designed to go in your pocket. And guess what? It works. There's a reason why they wore that to this party and they show you having a good time. You ever notice that these folks have parties every day of the week? All the time they party. Yeah, not just as Drake say on Tuesday coming up. Yeah, but you even see the code in that. I'm, I'm gonna get on he, the code, and I'm coming up on the Tuesday because I'm working on Friday and Saturday. I'm earning my money those days. That's why I can party on Tuesday. But even when I'm coming up, there's product placement. Yeah, I'm wearing Nikes. I got a room full. They show you the closet with a full room, full room of Nikes. They ain't buying all them shoes. They're not. Might not even be their closet. <laughs> yes. Influencers. And Paul says, who are you talking to, Andre? Paul tells Timothy, don't let nobody look on you, look down on you because you're young. Don't do it. He said, but set an example, even at your age, for the believers in how you talk and speech, in your conduct, and in love and in faith, 
and impurity. Watch that. Now, he gives a blueprint. If you want to be respected when you're young, here's a blueprint for how you have to live, but it comes with sacrifice. You have to set an example. And who better to imitate than Christ? The only man we know, we say, without a doubt, who lived without sin. Who better to model your life around? If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, then you ought to act like Christ. If you say you follow him, then you have to live at a higher standard than those around you. You also have to understand his purpose for coming, because I think it helps us to live that way. You have to love people. The sole purpose for Jesus' mission, the sole purpose for what God did was love. Never underestimate the power of love in the equation. The Bible is a love story. And we're going to look at just a few things that can help you understand how you too can be an influencer for Christ. But I came to tell you, it comes with a price. It comes with the way you live, and it's not always popular. And so if popularity is what you're going for, there are things you can do that cost you a lot less on the front end. But they come with a lot more consequence uh, down the road. Popularity is not all that it's cracked up to be. Too many folk trying to be popular. Yeah. Too, too many people want to be on TV or in some form. I say TV, you know, I mean on the screen, whatever screen that is. They want to be in that space. And I came to tell you right now, there's a lot of pressure for being on that space because you can be on there for good, for stupid. Oh, oh yeah. Stupid people get a whole lot of clicks. And there are people who are intentionally ignorant about stuff. It's not that they can't find the answer. They don't care enough to do it. But they get a lot of attention. People with no talent can get a lot of clicks and become wealthy behind it. And so people try to emulate that. That's some level of influence for someone, but it's not the way we ought to do it. Y'all know that dude that sang, she bang, can't sing? Y'all know that. There's nothing to that. And yet, millions of people will go in and download that song, She Bang, making money for him. He got a career out of not being talented. Influence. You want to be an influencer for Christ, I think, next to understanding the love piece, the one thing we've got to get into control, and I say we, is we've got to be an imitator and be an influencer in our speech. How we talk. Yeah. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul encourages people to stop obscenity. I remember when I was growing up, I'd be watching a television show. Y'all remember this too. And, and there would be a moment in the show when something would go beep when the person was talking. The regulators would have beeped out an obscenity. 
and you would giggle because <laughs> you know that something happened. But it was so infrequent because they didn't write it into the script. Now they write it into the script. And because they, as they used to say, cable takes all the breaks off, you can say whatever you want to say now. No one cares. And you can't tell me that allowing the free form of discussion that allows any obscene word to be said under, under any circumstances at any time has not degraded our understanding of how we communicate with one another. We use obscenity in regular conversation. Now, when I say we, I'm not just talking about people who don't love the Lord. I'm talking about everybody. Infuses obscenity into conversations and it's acceptable. It's little wonder you can turn on any screen and see three and four year old kids cussing out their parents. And people are laughing, laughing, clicking, sharing. This video has been shared two million times. So they find that amusing. This is what we're up against. Have you gone to a school lately? It don't sound like the school I was in. Yeah, you can walk past just about any door and you might hear profanity coming from that door and it might not always be from the students. There is a, de a degradation of how we communicate and yet we are called to be influencers. Gotta control our mouths. I challenge you to say, I believe this, the best teachers still know how to teach without cussing. All right, still know how to lead children without getting down at a, children, a child's level. The best teachers, the best teachers and leaders still know how to use tried and true principles to get your children across the line. And so don't you get to the place where you think it's acceptable for somebody to talk to your child that way. That's not acceptable. You won't accept nobody cussing Davis and your baby out in school. That won't happen. All right. But also, your babies can't go cuss them out either now. I, I remember standing there. Mama PTO'd me. I mean, it was, it was called American Education Week. That was like the first second week in school when parents came up to the school and met your teacher. You remember those days? Y'all don't remember. They still do that. They do. And I remember my mama standing up there. I'm standing behind her because you went. You went with them. Door to door to the teacher. Hello, this is Miss Flood. This is my math teacher. All right. Well, me and Andre not going to have no problem this year. Yes, I am. My mama, I heard her say it every time. Listen, no, okay, I don't think you're going to have any problem with Andre, but, but if you do, I heard this over and over again. If you do, just call me. And I'll be sure to take care of that for you. And I heard that with my math teacher, my English teacher, my. And I got the notion that mama was serious that if, if I did something. And so, you know, on the occasion that I did something. Because <laughs> everybody do something. I, I say, you can do whatever you want to do to me here. You can handle your business here. Put me in, in, in detention. Please don't call my mama. 
please, just whatever you do, just don't call mama. Because you can paddle me here. I'm good with it. I'm, I'm inviting you. She told them they could paddle me too. I'm good with it. You can paddle me here, but I can't take two in a day. Because I'm going to get one when I get home if you call my mama. Because the last thing mama said when we left that school was, it was nice meeting all you teachers down there, but you better not make me come up off my job. And I believed her. I believed her. Not only that, mama could connect with them. We, they were on the same level. They were believers. They had no problem saying that either. Influence. And I watched those instructors. And I watched the leaders around there. I mean, I don't know what they did away from school, but in school. They were influencing me. They were, they were showing me the way. I pledged Alpha in college because of a teacher at West End. Taylor, name was Taylor Green. That's why I pledged. That's who I first knew to be one. And I watched him. And he influenced me. I said, I like that. The way he represented himself. It's important to me. He never, ever spoke a word out of turn in front of us boys. He was always around us. Never used profanity. Never got down to our level. Never felt he had to lead us that way. And I came to tell you, your speech has got to be on point if you're going to be an influencer. Paul wants us to replace bad examples of speech with good examples of speech. He says, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That's not just profanity. Hear me now. That's also gossip, lying, complaining. Oh, complaining. Yeah. Talking about folks. Talking about folks. Now, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm square this. We, we, we did the dozens as sport. Cracking on each other is what we see. Yeah. That's an isolation. That's games boys play. Yeah. Games boys play. I'm not talking about that. I'm not trying to ruin children growing up. I'm talking about not setting a good example for them to have in the first place. Your speech has got to be important. Not only that, your conduct. You got to be an influencer in your conduct. The minute you claim to be a Christian, people start paying attention to you. The minute they want to see if you're slipping on how you walk. The minute... They're looking to see if there's any deviation in what you say and what you do. The minute you get around them, they want to know if you're just a holy roller or if you truly believe. The minute they, they, that you say you believe. They may never tell you what they're thinking, but they're watching you. They're watching you. And if you're going to wear the what would Jesus do t-shirt, then you need to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And you need to do what Jesus says. If you're going to sport that all the time, if you're going to be a walking billboard, then you need to represent what the billboard says if you're going to be an influencer. That means on good days and bad days. That means during the day and at night when you think nobody's looking. Publicly and privately, you need to be able to represent because people are paying attention to you every day in your conduct. 
Peter said, but just as he called you, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Influence. Influence is important. When we mess up, when we stumble, quickly admit it. Apologize and move on. That's the Christian way of doing things. Nobody's asking you to be perfect because no one can be. But if you do something and you offend or you hurt somebody, then just admit it and move on. We spend a whole lot of energy covering up a mess up just because we don't want to say I was wrong. Hardest words I've ever seen anybody say, and for 26 years now I've watched people, they can't come up to the bench and say I was, I'm guilty. I am guilty. They can't say it. It's a, oh, they come up, they, it don't matter what it is, it's a parking ticket. What did you, how you plead on this ticket? I guess I, I guess I did. Well, here's a picture of you park and the meter. <laughs> I, I guess that was me. <laughs> they can't say I am guilty. It's hard. It's just something in us that we struggle acknowledging wrong. And don't let the stakes get worse because it gets harder to come out. And then I've been amazed at some people who are simply forthright. They say, I did that. I did that. I was wrong. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And what they say is, they say if they got sense, I'd like for some mercy. Because that's what we all want. Mercy. Don't go up there asking for justice. Different thing. Yeah. Justice, you know, fine says zero or $500. Justice is zero or $500. Anyway, in there. Mercy is a warning. <laughs> All right? Mercy is zero. You want mercy. You go to the Lord. He's a merciful God. You don't impress him by asking him to lay the heavy load of the whole punishment on you. Because he's able to do whatever he wants to do. Teach children this. For some reason, we have children. We're raising children to think that they have to get the worst consequence that comes out. And so they're okay with that. They don't see that people can be loving and merciful to them. Teach them that. Show them that. And you do that by your conduct. You also have to be an influencer in love. When was the last time? You intentionally told your folk you love them. Made it a habit. Sit down, tell them I love you. Yeah. How about your friends? I know you got friends you do love. When's the last time you told them I love you? I love you. And this is why I love you. When's the last time you validated that? I see so many people who have family members who, 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 who pass away. And they say, well, I'm so glad the last thing we said to each other was, I love you. And I often wonder if that's true. I wonder. I'm not saying that people would be untrue intentionally, but I think we often make, we often say every day before we leave, we say we love each other. And I can tell you that don't happen every day because the circumstances of life can be so hurried. You ran back in the house to get your glasses that you found out when you get in the house on your head. That happens. <laughs> Last week, that happens. 
And you start getting in that situation and the clock ticking because you know you got to be out of the house at a certain time. And sometimes the last thing on your mind is, is, is saying, hey, I love you. But can I tell you, it ought to be primary. It ought to be primary because the moment you step out, you take for granted that you'll step back in. And I'm not just talking about departing from one another. I'm simply talking about sitting at the house and everything is okay. Nothing else is going on. I just want to validate to you right now that I love you. That kind of conversation increases the peace in your home. That kind of conversation increases the peace in your relationships. Tell people, better yet, show people. Can I tell you, showing people you love them is not by buying them expensive stuff. That doesn't mean you love people. No, no, that means you have the ability to go out and buy that, and you did. But you can give somebody something they've asked for, they might want, they might even like, and still not be at peace with them. Love is the greatest attribute we have from the Lord. And you go back, I'm not going to read it for you right now, but my gift to you is go read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It tells you all that love is, and it tells you what love is not. It's called the love chapter. And read it. You might read it in the King James Version if that's what you appreciate. But read it in a version that's plain speak, the Message Bible, maybe even NIV. And it tells you what love is. But I can tell you this. It says love never fails. Love never fails. First Corinthians chapter 13 is where you'll find that. But don't forget this. When you're reading that, if you got time, go a little bit before that and read the verses that precede. Because it entails you why the love is so important in your life. It says, if I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love, then I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all kinds of mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith enough to even move mountains, but I don't have love, then I am nothing. If I give everything I possess to poor people, and I give over my body to hardship, and I suffer so that I can show people that I'm suffering, but I don't have love, then I don't gain anything. Love is the imperative. Love is the foundation, it's the fuel that keeps everything else going. Think about that for a second now. If you're unable to demonstrate Jesus' love, then nothing else you do or say tends to matter if you cannot demonstrate that kind of love. So you might have an exceptional understanding of the truths of the Bible, but you don't love folks. Then it doesn't matter to them that you're that brilliant. People want to know that you care about them. You're going to also be an influencer in love. You also have to be an influencer in faith. In faith. Faith is a critical component of our walk. Believing that Jesus promised he'll take care of me. Believing that. Believing that is imperative, not just in what you say, but in how you act. 
worrying every day that the sky is going to fall creates a problem for you and that you'll really worry yourself sick. And there's a peace that comes with the faith you have in Jesus Christ. There's a peace. It's not your peace. It's his peace. Your prayer ought to be asking for him to give you that level of peace. And that peace decreases the worrying you have. Am I going to tell you that there are not times in your life when you ought to be concerned about things? Of course there are. Is that human? Absolutely. Are there going to be times that you worry about stuff? Yes, there will be times. But all day, every day, you got to check you under those circumstances. At some point, you got to be able to show I'm trusting in the Lord. Take it one step at a time. The writer of Hebrew gives it to us pretty quickly. He says, faith is confidence in what we hope for. Just confidence in that. And then that same faith that's the confidence in what we hope for is the assurance, the assurance about what we don't see. So when I hope, Lord, let me get up this morning. Yeah, I got confidence when I lay down at night that the Lord is going to let me get up in the morning. When I get up in the morning, it's been assured that God got me up this morning. That's your testimony. He just validated that to you. You don't have to go bigger than that. And if you want to start stretching, you say, Lord, when I get up in the morning, let me have a piece of bread, some tea. It don't have to be McDonald's or Chick-fil-A. It can just be some tea. As they say, when you get you something to eat, guess what? That just validated your faith. If you need to walk through your life validating it like that, then keep doing it until you get to a place when you say, I know the Lord will make a way somehow. You might not know specifically what he's going to do, but he's been good enough to me before that I believe he'll be good enough to me going forward. Walk your way through micro faith until you can get to a macro faith. But make sure you understand that he's loving you. That's faith. Somebody's watching your faith. How do you expect your child to understand what faith is if they never see you understand what faith is? They're watching you. All day long, they see you nervous and worrying about everything. And then you turn to them and say, trust in the Lord. And these kids are smart enough today to ask you, mama, do you trust? Daddy, do you trust in the Lord? They'll ask you. That's how y'all raising them these days. I wish I would have said that to my mama. Because she just said, you about to find out. If the Lord answers prayer, brother, because you're going to pray that I get off you. <laughs> and once she stopped, you can say, I know the Lord will make a way. That's a whole lesson in faith. You also have to be in an influence of impurity. Paul writes, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. At some point, you got to get into life and stop following this everything you want. All is whatever you want, you do all the time.
You have to learn how to control yourself, how to control your desires. You got to learn to discipline yourself. Paul's not saying we ought to wean ourselves from these behaviors. He said you got to stop. Not wean. Stop. To put it to death. No. He didn't say whoop it. Punish it. He said put it to death. Some people been weaning some bad habits for a minute. These things are destroying your life. You got to kill them. And I'm using that term. That's not a term that we all use loosely. But there's some habits you have in your life that are absolutely destroying your whole life. They're shading your whole life. You think you can do it. I tell people all the time. People don't invite preachers to parties because they think we automatically come in and put a chill on them. And that's simply because they have an imperfect view of what preachers are. People, preachers are just people who had their issues too. I, you know, I used to be the life of the party. I used to show up, get the party started. Let's get it started in here. The house is on fire. We don't need no water. Let it burn. That was me. Come on. Yes, yes. They say, Spark, get it started. I, I got you. You don't see folk like me. But I got to a point in my life when I realized that there were certain things I was doing didn't help me and didn't help my family. And so I didn't say I would stop. Now I had to kill it. I had to stop it. I had to stop it because I saw the influence that it had, not just in my life, but in the life of my life, but in the life of folk around me. I had to stop it. I couldn't preach it and not do it. You think it was easy for me to stop? No, because it had become a part of who I was. But I had to stop it. Yeah, too many times after that I showed up and the folk I showed up to said, you ready? And I say, yeah, I'm ready. And they go into the old standard and I say, that's not me no more. And they look at me and they ain't believe me. Why? Because I've been so much of that other. So I had to walk that walk. And when you don't want to lose a friend, sometimes you instead of killing it, you'll play with it. But I was all right with losing some friends like that because I, I know that's not a friend. But I had to grow into that. And I lost some good friends, some people that I love because they could not accept who I was becoming. And I had to walk through that. And I came to tell you today, if you are concerned about keeping everybody in your life, then you're gonna keep on doing what you've always been doing. But I tell you this, He'll give you another friend. He'll give you somebody else. And if he can't give you a friend with skin on, he'll be your friend. But you won't struggle because you had to give up something for him. Do I have any regrets? Not one. Not one. Not a single regret do I have because I decided that that wasn't the way I had to live. My house has been better. My home has been better. 
My home has been healthier. I would tell you that we saved money because we weren't buying certain things, but we replaced that with something else probably that wasn't good for us. Yeah, we replaced liquor with food probably, but, but, but the point is I stopped doing that which was tearing me down. We used to go off on trips and as a memento of our on the trip, we would buy shot glasses. With the logo of the place we went on, you know, and we had this row of shot glasses, Niagara Falls, all these places with. And I looked one day, I said, Karen, why are we collecting mementos to this? What you need a shot glass for if you ain't drinking shots? Now we got a cabinet full of coffee mugs. <laughs> Purity. It's a powerful word. It's an intimidating word. Because none of us are pure. But there's a level of living we ought to all strive for. There's a way we ought to try to be. And if you are striving to do that, and maybe at the end, when all is said and done, when people come to say there as I knew him, maybe there'll be folk from your community who said, I didn't have somebody in my house that I could look up to. But there was a man who lived down the street who raised his children in such a way that I want to raise mine. There was a man who lived down the street who made sure that I was okay when I didn't think I had anybody looking out for me. There was a man who lived down the street who invited me into his house when he saw that I needed something. Treated me like his own son. Had the same expectations of me as his own son. There was a man. Being influencer for the Lord. Being influencer for the Lord. Show other folk how good he's been in your life. He hasn't been conditional in his love to you. He's been unconditional. He hasn't cut short his love for you. He gave you the best that he had. He didn't cut short anything on you. The question is, do you accept it freely and do you represent that in your walk? God is intentional. He's sacrificial. But more than anything, he's powerful in your life. Let him change you if he hasn't already. And once he's got you in the fold, walk like you belong to the king. Show everybody that your father is a king. Walk like you're royalty. Talk like you're royalty. Act like you're royalty. Don't let anybody think you're just a court jester. Let them know, not only is my father the king, but I'm a prince. They might think you're arrogant. That's all right. That's all right. Walk like you're worthy of this calling that's been put in you. Stop trying to apologize because God's got favor in your life. Stop trying to apologize because you're trying to live right 
and the blessings of God have followed you in that respect. You don't have to tell anybody you're sorry because God has been good to you. You don't have to look down because God sheds his grace on you. Stop making folk who don't want to do right feel good by looking down on you. Walk worthy of this calling that you have. He's blessing you for a reason. Show somebody else how good he's been to you. Now don't take all the goodness and sit on it. Share it with somebody. And then maybe one day, when this life is over, somebody will say there was a man who loved Because I know that Jesus loved me. There's nothing you can say to me to make me doubt that Jesus loved me. Yeah. I used to say I watched my mama and her love for the Lord and that was by influence. I used to say that. But now I know him for myself. I've been through enough with him to know that he'll take care of you. And I'm not asking him to keep trying me and keep testing me. I'm just asking him to keep blessing me and showing me and allowing me to do what he wants me to do. I don't need a Job experience to know that God's been good to me. I don't need to pray the prayer of, 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 of anybody. Now, I can pray Andre's prayer. He's been good to me. Do you know him? Do you know him? If you've never accepted him, today is the day. I'm inviting you to come and to be a part of his household. Yeah, come to Jesus. Be like Jesus. If I could be like Jesus. Not like Mike. Not like Mike. Like Jesus. He will, he will bless you. Yeah, there's a wall of examples standing up here. There's a wall of influences standing up here. There ought not be a child in this church that doesn't have somebody to look up to. There ought not be a child in this church that goes without. Because God has been too good to He's blessed us. You saw it in him. You elevated him. They're here now providing that example. Somebody's here today, and today is the day you're looking for a church family. You've decided that Jesus Christ gave his life for you. Then I invite you to come. Doors are wide open. Maybe you've been searching for a church family. You know Jesus, you just need some folks to worship with. I invite you to try right now. He'll bless you. We'll fellowship. Come on now.